my mission is to you mean is to empower as many creators and partners that we have around the world to help inspire their communities to to just live a healthier and fitter life hey Carlo, welcome to the show how are you oh thanks for having me appreciate it being on here today of course you know it's uh june shark had been in the in the industry of influencer marketing Quite a good time, so I'm quite excited. You know, and some people are saying that basically Jim Shark is what invented the infrastructure market as we know it right now. I'm I'm curious also to to know your opinion on that. But before getting into that, uh, why don't you tell us a bit more about yourself uh, and uh, you know just in a couple of minutes to to learn about you professionally and personally? Uh, we usually use this thing called MAP, so the mission, like what do you aim to achieve, um, uh, your achievements, any any notable milestone in your life could be either professionally or personally. And the last one is the purpose. So why you do what you do. Some people mix together the mission and the purpose at the same time. So feel free to do the same. When the more I think about it, the more I tie my mission into probably the company that I'm working for. And I think what's really important is with Shark, what we're trying to do is unite the fitness community. We're trying to inspire and enable as many people to step up to the bar and raise it. So my mission is to, you mean, is to empower as many creators and partners that we have around the world to help inspire their communities to to just live a healthier and fitter life. And if, if I can play a very small part in, in a couple of people going on to live a healthier and fitter life, then amazing, you know what I mean? And obviously, mm-hmm. to be as successful as possible to, to provide for my family. But uh, I had a couple of jobs, like graduate programs lined up at like banks and stuff like that. But I didn't really, I wasn't really excited about it. I remember I was, I, I remember this conversation with my mother. I sat down with her talking about how I didn't know what I wanted to do or where I wanted to be. And I didn't really want to do those those graduate-esque programs because they didn't feel appealing or interesting to me. So I always remember she's like, what five companies do you really, really like? Look online and just apply for them. And I just started getting into fitness and lifting in the gym. So I was working, uh, so uh, I was using a company called My Protein, a supplement brand. So that was one of them. I was always a big sports fan. So Nike, Adidas, where I was on the list. Uh, and then obviously brands I, I've always liked and have always been a part of my life was google and apple so i applied to all five companies four didn't get back one got back that was my protein and they offered me to come over to the uk interview for the role so i'd been there for a couple of years doing a lot of stuff within marketing and trading but i'd always been a big fan of youtubers because i just started getting into the gym so matt ogus chris lovato lex griffin steve cook simeon panda you name it and they, they they were starting to explore the world of influences but no one was really taking ownership of it so I kind of used my passion, which was going home, going home to watch YouTube. And I started bringing that into into the company, being like, oh, why don't we try working with this person? Or we tried doing this. Rather than I was just going for professional athletes, looking at these YouTubers whose bread and butter was, was, was fitness. Had some success there in terms of getting the business to buy into it more and more. And uh, I, I, it just got to a point where, I mean, leadership in the business were like, listen, you seem good at this. You seem good with people. I mean, I've always, I've always thought that being Irish and my Irish accent is, is quite an advantage to, to me. It's It can be seen as quite welcoming. It opens doors for me. So being able to get to know people and work with people and connect with people also went hand in hand for myself. So they handed me over the influencer stuff uh, and I started running that. Um, and then I, I suppose within a year later, I managed to, to, to get in touch with the guys at Gymshark and I talking with Ben Francis. We had a couple of conversations back and forth and to the point where he was like, listen, I like what you're about. Do you want to come over to Jira Shark? So for me, within the world of fitness influencers, it was like going from, uh, you know I mean, from a, a championship team to, uh, you know I mean, 
Spanish, the Real Madrid's or the Barcelona's or uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, all the almost influencers, not Gymshark. Because I saw like, you know, multiple videos about, you know, Gymshark. Uh, and at the beginning, it was like, give me like, you know, just a courseware to friends, right? And these friends were like, just posting out of like, no, yeah, I'm going to do you know, these and so on. So how did it go from uh, being a few friends posting on social media? It's still not a job. It's still not a serious thing uh, to basically the multi-billion dollar companies and influencers. Yeah. So... I genuinely believe Ben Francis was a pioneer of modern day influencer marketing. I think if you go back 11, 12 years ago to the inception of Gymshark, he was, he was doing influencer marketing without realizing he was actually doing it. So as he was starting to develop the product and, and get it to a point where he could, you mean, package it up to sell, he was following these guys on YouTube at the time, Chris Lovato, Matt Obis, Lex Griffin, who at the time did what, 15,000 subscribers on YouTube, which was a fairly substantial audience size, you know, I mean, back then on the platform in which he was always going to their videos for advice because he'd been getting into the gym and he'd reach out to them and started building a relationship with them, was telling them about this product he was creating. He'd love to send it to them, get feedback from them as to how it fits, fabrics, all that sort of stuff. And as he had been doing this with all of his fitness idols that he was sending them out product and genuinely just wanting feedback, not even realizing that they were wearing it in the videos, that they too were influential and they were, I mean, creating demand and hype around the brand and product. It was only to the point where he'd gone to, in 2014, he'd, uh, he'd set all the money he'd saved up. He put it all on a, um, an exhibitor ticket to go and, uh, be involved at this bodybuilding convention in Birmingham in, in the UK where Ben's from with the hope of, you mean, trying to, to make a few sales and get the brand out there. But he had also been talking to Chris, uh, and Matt Ogus and Jeff Said, these guys who are like, you mean, aspiring fitness influencers in the US. We flew these guys out again, not knowing what was going to happen. And all of a sudden, when the expo opened, all these kids started rushing into the expo and started coming towards Gymshark. Now, Ben, is, ben could see around was all the big bodybuilding supplement stands around uh, around his stands. So he, he didn't think much of it. He's like, oh, they're going to go to all the bigger stands. I mean, hopefully I get a couple of sales here. But what he didn't realize was those guys that he became friends with that were reviewing his pro- product and giving him feedback had these these communities, these niche communities that transcended just the US because of you mean, social media being a, a borderless media, media. All these kids rushed to the Gymshark stand and were coming here to see, get photos with Matt, with Jeff, with, uh, with Chris, and they were all buying all the products. What was really interesting, later that day after the expo, Ben went back onto the website because he had ordered some tracksuits uh, in which he set them live on site. And he went from, I believe he went from making something like £400 a day to £40,000 in 30 minutes. And I think it was that when, that's when it just started spiraling and he started realizing it was like, these kids never heard about me, but they were all coming to Jeff to Ogus Lovato. So these guys obviously have some form of influence. And then I think that was the that was the light bulb in in, uh, in his mind. He's like, Adidas, Nike, they're all focusing on David Beckham and all these sports stars. But within my realm and within the niche that I'm in, the David Beckhams, the Serena Williams, they're these fitness influencers, these PTs, these trainers. They're the people I need to 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 build relationships with. Hello, is your brand ready to amplify its reach? Well, the influencer marketing factory is here to do just that. We are a global influencer marketing agency helping brands ignite their growth from influencer identification to campaign strategy, handling legalities and agreements to managing shipping and logistics. We have it all covered. 
We work with hundreds of brands across different verticals from Fortune 500 companies to DTC brands. And we don't just stop there. With detailed ROI analysis, we help brands like yours measure success, transforming impressions into actionable conversions. You can find us at theinfluencermarketingfactory.com or just search the Influencer Marketing Factory on Google. Yeah, it's, it, it is very interesting to think about that. You know, now we take it for granted, right? Yeah, of course, it's an influencer. It's going to promote my product. But like yeah. 12 years ago, it was, it, was a, it's a new, was a new concept. So I wanted to ask you, notice anything specifically to maybe the industry of gyms and this community online when it comes to influencer marketing? I feel like social media almost changes every day. In the last 10 years, there's been so many drastic changes. But I think the one thing that people probably realized was how accessible creators have become through social media where if i'm whitney simmons i can jump on my instagram stories i can start talking to the camera and my use my my, my followers i mean will feel connected to me and feel like i'm talking to them i can do a q a you can ask a question i can i can reply to your to your answer you can you can dm me straight away you know what I, mean? so I think like this level of accessibility but also the need for authenticity and relatability from the the communities has has changed drastically you know 10 years ago it was only just celebrities and celebrities were so inaccessible yes you mean you could only look at them from afar or on tv or in 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 magazines and all these like exactly like we went from you know these uh, celebrities they were not uh, basically we were not on the same right so there was this gap in being relatable now finally you have someone you mentioned many names before you know i see this person i trust this person especially in the gym uh, and in the sports and in the routine, right? I do it also myself. I have a selected people in the fitness space that I follow. And every week or every day, I go to the same video to do the routine. So, you know, I really care like to go into those specifics because I find them well. So I wanted to ask you this. Since in the gym, especially like there is this sense of community, you go with friends, you do specific classes, you meet people. You have also this uh, way of being like, okay, every Monday I'm going to do this, every Tuesday, right? So we have a routine, right? Consistency with that. The same also it is when it comes to the gym and the people that I trust, right? So the long-term partnerships, right? When it comes to influencer marketing are even more important, right? In the, in your industry. How do you make them successful? Are there any tips and tricks for both brands and creators to create the perfect partnership that are going to last months, if not years? It, it's not rocket science as well. I think so many people and so many brands and business try to overcomplicate a massively your relationships with your friends think about your relationships with your partners like i think what's really important is before you engage yourself in any long-term partnership is understanding is like what do they want out of this what do you want out of this understand like having that understanding of what the mutual benefit's going to be and communicating you know what i mean like communication is the most important thing in the world like i don't <laughs> you know I mean? it's it's interesting like when you're managing athletes or you're managing relationships with partners like it's almost having multiple partners in that sense where you need to you need to know the inside out, you need to know the names, the date of births, where they're from, their pets, the pets' names, family, all that sort of stuff. Because then you're giving that much energy into the into the partnership. It's going to be reciprocated. So yeah, I think for me, the most the most important things, which are the most simplistic things, are really understanding what both parties want out of this partnership. Because that's what's going to that's that's going to form the partnership. Because you're going to build on what the shared purpose is and communicate, like be consistent with your communication. I agree. You know, like sometimes even like it's not rocket science, as you said, you don't have to re reinvent the wheel. It's basically just normal relationships, right? Between people, be clear from day one about, you know, being on the same page. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I like that you say that it's it's simpler than you think sometimes. Every, 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 every potential partner we work with, when we sit down, like, 
blue sky thinking, ideal blank canvas, what, yeah. what you want out of gym, your partnership gym shop. Yeah, no, exactly. Like giving also like the opportunity, right, for each uh, influencer and content creators to be themselves uh, using their tone of voice. Because people can see, right, if your favorite influencer change tone of voice and approach during there is an advertisement, uh, right, there is that feeling, right? You can feel it like, oh, it's, it's really forced. Uh, it's not authentic, uh, right? In my opinion, there's a lot of brands out there that, that still don't understand influencer marketing and creator economy and creators themselves. It's like, They've, they've built these audiences, they've built this connection with these, these people all over the world because of the content that they've created, because of the message they've put out there. As soon as you come in and try tell them what to do, per se, in terms of their content and their message, that's, that's when you know it's, you, you, you're not going to get what you want out of it. Now, does there have to be a clear brief? You know I mean, does the creator need to understand what you want out, what, what you want to get out of this? Yeah, absolutely. But then let them go and create. If you're clear on what your ideal outcomes are, Give the artist the brush and let them, let them, you mean, let them paint, let them create. Changing gear for a second. You said before that during COVID, of course, you know, videos just kind of like in terms of numbers because everyone was at home. I did it myself, everyone did it, basically little like sort of a dream in-house, right? With uh, your computer, your YouTube or whatever. So I wanted to ask you this. Let's look into social versus uh, physical stores, right? With everything that is happening these days with social commerce, right? I'm curious, what is the approach of Gymshark because I saw that I think you guys are also I don't want to say doubling down on retail but you are expanding right uh, more on the physical stores right so tell me a bit the pros and cons of each so the physical store experience versus the social commerce I'm curious to see how you see both of them can they stay together are you focusing more on one of the two pros and cons for each so I think back I think a couple of years ago it would probably be more cons than pros I think with today's day and age and technology, I think you're able to connect IRL to URL. You mean in how we look at it, you know what I mean? So you can connect elements of social commerce through to through to retail and, and bring all that into your ecosystem. I think there's a lot of brands that do it, do it very, very well. Uh, I think Nike being being one of the brands that, uh, and Apple that have a great ecosystem in terms of whether you shop in store or shop online. You still very you still the touch points with the brand is very consistent and you're 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 brought into their ecosystem. I think social commerce is a lot more scalable than retail in terms of pace, agility, um, and it can impact your business overnight. Like again, anyone can become viral and you mean famous overnight per se for whether it's for the right or the wrong reasons. Uh, but I think in a world post COVID, consumer trust with brands is probably relatively fragile. So people are coming back out onto the high streets. From what we see, people are going back out onto high streets to shop, they want to shop the physical product, they want to touch it, they want to feel it, they want to try it on, they want that human-to-human interaction. You mean, what we're seeing within the fitness industry is a lot of people are craving craving community, they're craving uh, face-to-face interaction, you're seeing the rise of run clubs, I mean, fitness events like turf games and high rocks where people are coming out to compete in groups and teams and and, and celebrate fitness together. So, uh, and again, I, I think it just goes to show if you understand your consumer, and you get the, the 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 concept right. You can truly create a uh, you mean community in real life as well as uh, online. And I think we've created an amazing community hub for our uh, for our customer and for the Gymshark community. I mean, what other store do you know that people can walk in and you mean book in time with a personal trainer and be and you mean learn how to squat and deadlift, but then also be able to participate in a fitness class or go and get some custom uh, custom products. Yeah, quite unique. And in fact, I wanted to ask you, um, do you also still invite uh, 
uh, athletes or you know fitness uh, influencers doing like in store like yeah. dedicated events like so because also that like the people want to see them like in person right so how does it work there have you noticed like any anything that people share the most is it like they want to exercise with them they want to ask them question about content creation is it about I'm trying to understand like what happens right when they meet uh, their favorite uh, influencer content creators in person for sure we, yeah we run events every week every week there's events uh, both open to the community and then some are a little bit more exclusive like smaller number of uh, community members I think I think it, look I think what Gymshark's done very well is we've been able to make our athletes accessible to the community you know I mean through our lift events where they're free you, all you have to do is queue up you'll get a chance to meet David Lade Whitney Simmons um, Steve Cook, Francis Gano, you name it. Where you I mean LeBron James, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi at these other sports brands, they're not really that accessible. Yeah. Um, so we've always wanted to make sure that our athletes are accessible because I think that builds on the emotional connection between the fan, the athlete, and the brand. So I think the interactions vary. You know, I mean, with some creators, people want to come in and be able to train with them to say, "Oh, I trained with Liana Deeb or I trained with Annalise Cruz," but other kids want to have that more intimate interaction in terms of they have questions where I wanted to ask Dave and Nate about how we got into into fitness. Mm. But I think the the consistent thing here is we're always trying to facilitate these opportunities and these interactions for uh, the community and the the athletes. But it, yeah, it'll definitely vary depending on who. So basically, before we saw like you know what happened in the past ten years, again you know many different things. Ten years in influencer marketing, it's a hundred years in any other industries. So I wanted to ask you this. And, you know, my last question for you today is, instead of asking you what is the future of influencer marketing, because it can be, you know, very broad, what would you like to see happening in the influencer marketing slash creator economy in the next years? Okay. I think what I'd like to see happen is some form of control in the adaptation of AI. I feel like AI is coming in quick and it's a hot topic. And I think AI can make a lot of people's lives I don't uh, easy. I don't know. Like they they can they can they can help make people's lives more efficient per se with with, with automation and task automation and task management and all that sort of stuff. But what my fear is that so much AI goes into creators and the content that they produce that they lose the creativity, the authenticity, the relatability elements, and I I don't want to see that happen. I think that that's my fear. I, yeah, I'd love to make sure that AI is moderated to a certain extent with how they create content, but also for it not to take away from the creators being creative, remaining themselves and really putting in the work to to create the content that's got them to where they are today. I think we're seeing a really interesting shift now in, in the creator landscape where this whole Mr. Beastification where he's been so successful that everyone's trying to copy Mr. Beast's content in order to you mean, win with the algorithm. But you've got a bodybuilder called Sam Sulek who's taken the world by storm. He's, I think he's amassed probably close to 10 million followers across TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram from posting, literally literally just filming himself, talking, training in the gym, talking to the camera, raw, unedited, 40-minute long episodes, uploaded every day, and people have just loved it because he's just been himself, he's been authentic, he's been real, and it's it's not over-edited, over-hyped, and... Um, you know what I mean? So like people like him are, are, are kind of starting a new wave of almost bringing old style content back. So I think, yeah, I think that's where my head's at, if that makes sense. Totally, totally. Um, fantastic. It's, I think it's a very good point about both AI and also raw content. 
And uh, I'm also curious to see what is going to happen in the next future. But uh, Callum, thank you so much for joining me today, for sharing your story. And, uh, you know, Jim, Jim Shark, sorry, because it's, it's been like, you know, a, quite a, quite a, you know, roller coaster, right? Uh, there from the beginning, right? From the, as you said, you know, just sending things to creators, see what happens to having basically one of the most important companies in the, in the industry so far. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. This was the Influence Factor by the Influence Marketing Factory, and I'll see you next week.